Kelsey and this is KaleidoCast. Let's go! Today we say a big Kaleido welcome to Sheena Shuey of Savasana Collective. I crossed paths with Sheena inside one of our business groups and knew she would be the perfect fit for us to sit down and have a chit chat with. Sheena has a wealth of knowledge in the world of mental health throughout every stage of life with a Bachelor of Psychology, Master of Counselling and Master of Social Work. Not only this, she is the founder of a kick-ass business, Savasna Collective, a toddler mum and a lover of sweet potato chips, old school hip-hop and life. Today, we welcome Sheena to chat retail therapy, gifting anxiety, mum guilt, and some tips to reduce the overwhelm in our daily lives. We are so thrilled to have you on, Sheena. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much, Kelsey. I'm happy to be here. I know it's been so um, hard to get you on because you've been so busy. So we're absolutely thrilled that we could be fit into your schedule. So thank you. Sheena, so firstly, let's get to know the beautiful face behind your brand. What does family life look like for you? Oh, family life is pretty interesting at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I have a very active two-and-a-half-year-old boy um, and any mothers of boisterous boys will know exactly what I'm going through. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but he's adorable, love him to bits. Um, and I have a fly-in, fly-out partner. So um, life gets pretty interesting because he's gone for t- periods of time and then back. And so, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a juggle being a working mum and having a toddler and having a, a husband who's sort of here only some of the time. So, Oh, yes, that sounds very similar to um, family life at my home. So, <laughs> um, and what do you have? What are the names of your dogs? Do you have a dog? I have two crazy dogs and uh, for anyone who follows me on Instagram I've had people asking me like there's this weird breathing in the background of your stories and I'm like that's just my Labrador who I swear has sleep apnea since she was a puppy but um, yeah so I've got a Labrador called Maya after Maya Angelou (laughs) used up a really good name on a dog with us. And um, so I've got her and then I've got a rescue, uh, Nala, who's a German shorthead point across. So, uh, yeah, dealing with two crazy ass dogs as well. Um, They really are like children. So damn needy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am feeling I have a dog sitting right next to me as we speak. So (laughs) I had to tell him to breathe a little quieter so I could talk. Uh, So, Sheena, psychologists are not immune from anxieties. Um, Have you had had experience with such and how did you overcome your anxieties that you've had in your life? Um, Yeah, so, um, and just to clarify, I do have a psychology background, but I am a registered social worker now. So Mm -hmm. um, I just switched up the trades there (laughs) just to be tricky on everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I myself um, have had anxiety in the past and you know I still have my moments of anxiety too and the I want to be clear like everybody has anxiety and stress in their life it's a normal uh human emotion and it's a normal human reaction to you know stressful and anxious environments so uh one of the things I do talk about is that anxiety is a normal reaction And it becomes an issue when it gets in the way of everyday life. So, you know, there's a lot of people who have what we call like functional anxiety. But if it's 
affecting your mood. Like if you're getting down because you're so wound up all the time or you're, you know, pulling away from things because you're anxious or, you know, um, you're, you know, just not yourself because of it. That's one thing. And I want to clarify too, you know, again, it's normal to, if you have a job interview, it's normal to feel stressed or anxious about that. Or if you've got a big launch coming up or, you know, there's things that are uncertain, those feelings are totally normal. So um, my anxiety I knew was an issue when um, I just, I felt like I couldn't trust people. I knew that I started to feel like I just felt everyone was judging me all the time and I didn't know who I could trust and I didn't know. I just felt like I lost myself. Like I felt like I didn't know what was going on in my world and I had some relationship breakdowns prior, which was a really big trigger for me. So, um, yeah, so for me it was a bit of a journey. It took a couple of years to sort of work through that and, uh, I had that cliche of you have to break yourself down to build yourself back up. That's totally what it felt like. It felt like I I thought I knew myself, then all this big stuff happened. And then I just, it's like I had to start from zero and go, okay, what is the person I want to be? Who is the person I want to be? And let's build towards that. And um, I can safely say that I feel like every single day I'm becoming more and more that person and I'm a lot more grounded now. Um, but it wasn't easy. I don't want to <laughs> give everyone the uh, thing that it was easy. It did take a few years and, um, yeah, I think part of my journey was sorting out my exercise and my health was part of it, um, having some really good friends to give me reassurance and, you know, talking about it as well, talking openly about how I'm feeling um, was huge. So, yeah, so lots of lots of factors I could go on and on but yes, yes. it's it's been a journey <laughs> yes yeah it is it is definitely a journey I can relate incredibly you spoke about um changing exercise and what you're eating etc I was going to ask you what does your self-care routine look like in such a busy lifestyle yeah so um back then this was prior to kids so I was able to go to the gym six days a week I was able to go to my naturopath you know and see her on a regular basis because that was really big for me like sorting out my diet um, and you know supplements and stuff back then Um, so now that I'm a mum it changed a lot so really it's like those moments of mindfulness throughout the day and just you know meditation where I can I don't have the luxury of going to the gym for two hours and burning out every anxious feeling I have anymore that's not a possibility for me so um, yeah, breathing is huge because I know that, you know, anxiety is actually a central nervous system reaction. And so we have to calm the nervous system. And one of the quickest and best ways to do that is breathing. So for me, breathing's huge, meditation's huge. Um, and when I meditate, sometimes it is just a mindfulness, like I might be very mindful of all the things I can hear, smell, touch, etc. Other times it's a visualisation. So I have this beautiful place that I go to in my mind where I just heal my mind and heal my body. Um, Yeah, so whatever works for people, but that's kind of what works for me. Um, And making the time to see friends. Like um, that's one thing during COVID especially, you know, I think we all felt that disconnection and 
I think sometimes we all, I'm guilty of it too, we all have this thing of you take people for granted until you can't have access to them anymore. And, uh, yeah, I really felt not being able to see my friends during that time. So uh, the last few months I've really invested back in my friendships again and it feels so good, doesn't it? Oh, perfect. It's even just uh, seeing you face-to-face on our Zoom is, yes, so beautiful because we don't get to do that as much as we would like. So, yeah, definitely relatable. Um, Yeah, some things for some people to think about. So let's talk about Savasana Collective an absolutely incredible format that you've created for your business can you take us through your business baby and what it provides yeah yeah of course so um just like your business or any business out there it warps and changes every month every year that I'm having it because I I want to provide things to people that they actually want and need so uh at the moment we have online courses so we have courses that it's the, same, it's the same therapeutic techniques that I would be doing with you if we were working one-on-one, but you can do it whenever you want at your own pace. So literally what it is, it's um, I've got videos in there and there's no exams or there's no like right or wrong answers like some courses are and it's not bland, like I'm not giving you all the boring stuff. I'm just going, here's an activity to get to know yourself or your relationship or your parenting better And here's an activity for it. So we have like a workbook and videos. Um, You can do it whenever you want. So, you know, I've had people say, I've had some beta testers go through it and they're like, I did this when the kids were asleep. I had a glass of wine and it was so much fun. Like they feel like they were getting to know themselves. And that's what I want to like personal growth. It isn't easy. So if we can add a little bit of element of fun to it, I think uh, it lightens it. <laughs> yes. Per- yeah. Perfect. I was telling you off air that I downloaded one of your free PDFs as a little tester. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to doing it. It was the right relationship one. My hobby Um is yet to find out that we're doing it but we are so (laughs) I'm very excited (laughs) I'm very excited I'll keep you um, updated on how we go with that and I'd love to yeah get oh fantastic um, some more so uh, some of the yogis out there might recognize the term savasana um, otherwise known Mm. as my favorite yoga uh, yoga yoga position Um, (laughs) but can you tell us more about the name and how it came to be Yeah, yeah. So um, Savasana, I just felt, uh, yeah, again, people who've done yoga, anyone who's done yoga will hopefully have been in Savasana before. And Savasana is is called corpse pose. And it's the last pose of a lot of yoga um, classes. And it's literally a pose where you just lie on the floor, uh, like on your back, flat, laying like a corpse you know but the the point of the pose is to just be in the moment with yourself and let the the recovery happen so after you've done all that moving in a class just sitting still with your mind and letting your body recover and what I love about savasana is from the outside it looks very simple someone's just lying on the floor as if they're almost looking like they're having a nap or just sleeping um but it's the hardest one because on, on the outside it looks so simple and so easy, but to sit still with your mind and to sit still with the thoughts that come, the negative ones, the positive ones, the to-do lists is so 
tricky <laughs> and it's a practice you know meditation's a practice mindfulness is a practice and so that was really it I wanted to create a community of people who were getting to know themselves and be okay with themselves and collective obviously is like this community of people like like-minded people and so I wanted us all to recover and grow in this beautiful way together so that's where Savasana Collective came from. Yeah that's perfect I, I love what that represents it's um, yeah really perfect for what you're um, what you're doing I feel it's a really really well aptly named business um, so oh, we've, <laughs> we've spoken a little bit a little bit about your business um, and now we might talk a little bit about ours as we're an online retailer um, but I wanted to talk to you about the subject of retail therapy um, and why why retail therapy gives us all the feels oh 100% girlfriend um, <laughs> <laughs> It's such a hot topic. You know, I, I feel like every time you pick up a magazine or every time you read a blog, retail therapy is just one of those terms where it's just so relatable. Every one of us, I think, has been in that moment where you're just trying to fill the void, you know, and, and it is it can be anxiety-related sometimes. Like, okay, what's going to make me feel good instantly? Or oh, buying this thing that I've wanted to buy, <laughs> you know? Um, so I wanted to mention to you, I guess, the, the, the flip sides of retail therapy. So obviously, like I've just mentioned, there's sort of the not so good side where you're using retail therapy as like a coping mechanism. So when we feel those really that again that nervous system you know that really visceral feeling you have when all of a sudden you might be feeling a little bit stressed or a little bit anxious and it's almost like you can feel your heart rate increasing like all of a sudden you're like I'm on edge like it's like I've had an extra extra strong coffee and I can I can just feel those feelings starting to rise up and so that's when a lot of people use their negative coping mechanisms. So there's positive ones like I just spoke about, like breathing, exercise, you know, all of those sorts of good things. But there's also not so good ones like eating, you know, to fill that void, drinking to fill that void, buying things you don't need to fill that void. So I guess that's the negative part of retail therapy is just buying things that aren't necessary. But that on the good side of retail therapy, you know, not many people talk about the good side of, of, of things. You know, we're becoming in this minimalist society. And don't get me wrong, I love minimalism. And I think this kind of links in with, you know, KonMari's, the KonMari method's been super popular lately. But what I love about the KonMari stuff and the minimalism too is that buy things that bring you joy only hold on to things that bring you joy. And so the good part of retail therapy is, you know, not using it in those stressed or anxious moments. But, you know, if you're on a holiday with a loved one and you go to somewhere beautiful and you go to this beautiful, you know, boutique place or, you know, you buy, you're trying to buy a gift for someone that's just meaningful or even a gift for you that's just meaningful, it's so nice to treat yourself to something that's quality and nice, you know. So, um, you know, again, like we spoke about, if you if you go to this beautiful place, you might buy one mug and it might be $20, but that mug is going to remind you of 
all the place that that place and that time and you might find out that it was ethically sourced or you know it's a women-led business um and things like that so I think that mug is going to mean so much more to you and bring you joy every day compared to buying a four pack of mugs from Kmart that was like 12 bucks that everyone in your household uses there's nothing special about it it's generic um, you probably exploited someone because how on earth can you make a mug for $3 without paying someone like 20 cents to make it? Um, so I think that is where the good side of retail therapy can come in. Yeah, I love that because it's mostly associated with harmful behaviour. But um, yeah, just as with everything, I guess it comes down to positive or negative ways that everything can be perceived. So, um, yeah, I really, really like that you've explained it in that way. And it's something that we really work towards in our business um, to provide people with functional and special things that they don't have to feel guilty about buying for themselves um, and they feel really happy about gifting to other people so what you've said there is really perfect for us thank you so much Um, we also wanted to talk about you mentioned um, the anxiety of finding something for a loved one um, or a gift I have found it quite incredible um, when customers come to me that how anxiety inducing gift giving can be. Um, So I really wanted to discuss with you the very real term of gifting anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a lot behind it. And so we all get a little bit nervous, again, about buying a gift for someone uh, because, you know, you want to get it right. So having those nerves or a little bit stressed about it is totally fine, particularly leading into the holiday season where compared to a birthday where it's just one gift, you might, you know, leading into the holiday season, often people have lots of gifts to buy. And so it's really, I guess, just taking a moment if you, if you're finding that you're very stressed about buying a certain person a gift, ask yourself, why is this stressing me out so much? Because really it's about, it's the thought that matters, right? That old term is the thought that matters. And so sort of just giving yourself a moment to go, why is this stressing me out? And you might find, okay, because I'm worried they won't like it. Okay, well, why am I worried they won't like it? Oh, because they might think that I don't care about them. Well, why would I worry that they, they, they think that? And so, you know, you might find that you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to buy the right gift because you haven't invested in that relationship in other ways. Like you haven't, you know, sometimes I think we use gifts to make up for certain things. <laughs> so sometimes if you haven't seen someone all year and it comes to Christmas or the holiday season, it's like you're trying to make up for the fact that you haven't seen them. <laughs> and so does that kind of make sense to you? It's like there's yeah. so much pressure on the gift because it means more than just a gift. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. I think I find a lot um you know, in in our store, a lot of people get so nervous about what the gift might um, indicate. So, you know, for a baby shower, they get so nervous to for buying, um, say, a green set of sheets when it might be a girl, or they're just it's there's just so much anxiety around what how that gift will be perceived. Um, so, I guess there's a lot of judgment when it comes to that. Um, would you think the same? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so um, I guess one of the things that I also talk about uh, with Savasana Collective is listening to your gut and to the cues sometimes. So I find the people who are in my inner circle who I truly love and I truly care about and they know me inside and out, I know them, you know, um, and it's very small inner circle. We all have to sort of have that filtration system and it's taken me a lot of work to make a good filter for good people and shitty people. It's taken years. <laughs> That's part of my getting over anxiety process is mm-hmm. uh, figuring out who's toxic and who's not because um, it means different things to different people. But those people who are in my inner circle who feel like I, they know the real me, like raw and all, and I know the real them, I don't get anxious about anything with them. But people who I do get anxious about, there's something there. It's like, why am I trying to impress them? Or why am I worried about this? Or what's the big deal if I get it wrong? Like, are they a judgmental person? Because it's a lot harder to buy for someone who is genuinely judgmental. And so, again, Mm. use those cues to sort of ask yourself, if someone's that judgy about gifts, mm, is is, is that a cue maybe that it's about them, it's not about you? Like, you're doing the best that you can and maybe it's about them, you know? Yes. Um, so, and the other thing I did want to just briefly touch on was around, again, just with the buying anxiety, I want to normalise it. Like, yes, we all have it. But if you're the kind of person where you go on a website and you look at every single item and then you spend two hours deciding between three separate items, that's when I st- when you start to have to question, you know, is there something further going on with me? Um, and that's the time to sort of do, do that self-reflection because it shouldn't take that long to buy a gift for someone, particularly someone you know well enough. Like if I, I know my people really well, and don't get me wrong, it's hard to buy for some people sometimes if they have everything, but two hours is a long time. Imagine what you could be doing in that time, you know? So if you're spending that long overthinking the gift, worrying about it, going back and forth, you know, taking days even, like some people will look at a website for two hours and go, oh, actually I've got something else to do, I'll come back to it. Then they come back a week later, you know. I think that's when you have to go, actually maybe I'm suffering from anxiety at the moment or maybe I've got some perfectionistic traits that could be challenged at the moment. So um Use those cues to let yourself know what's going on internally and externally with your friendship or family circle too. Yes, that's, yeah, really, really great, really great advice. I think that's um, super, super relevant, um, especially, yeah, I, I feel that. And like you said, it, it is normal, but it is, if, you know, if you do feel that you are getting yourself into a state to try and talk to someone or, or yeah, self-reflect. I like that a lot. Um, so, Sheena, we spoke about a little about <clears throat> um, the gift giving. And I wanted to touch on a little bit about the five love languages because gifts is one of those. And I feel like they can be used in all of our relationships um, throughout our life. So can you talk to us a little more about how we can use them um, to our advantage in improving relationships in our lives? Yeah, 100%. So 
so for those who aren't familiar with the five lung love languages, where I feel like it's come in common uh, language now, a lot of people do know them, um, and they're a big part of my relationship course as well. But so the five love languages are words of affirmation, uh, gift giving, which we just mentioned, quality time, physical touch, and acts of service. So um, again, uh, these can be used tremendously in a way of uh, buying the right gift. So on my website, if anybody's interested, um, I do actually have a gift giving guide that um, is based on the love languages. So just send me a DM on Instagram or, um, you know, get in contact via email. Totally happy to send that to you. Um, but basically, everybody has a love language that we feel love in and we show love in. So uh, for example, some people feel loved when they receive compliments or they receive, um, you know, validation in the form of words. So for some people, it's like if I, let's say I cleaned the house for the day, um, I'm like a big words of affirmation person. I'm not an acts of service person. So um, for me, I would love someone to come home and be like, oh, you know, I'm so lucky to have you as my wife or I'm so um, thankful to have you. This The house looks beautiful, blah, blah, blah. You're amazing. I just ra ravish in that, right? Because I'm a words of affirmation person. What wives don't? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I grew up in a household where, you know, that was commonplace. My, your love languages develop from usually your childhood household. And so my family's big on like, I love yous and compliments and, all of that stuff so that's just really natural for me um but another person might prefer like a gift for that you know like oh you know um here's a, a gift I'm showing you love by actually giving you a gift so that's the gift giving one um quality time is those people who they feel loved by just spending uninterrupted time together you know no phones no tv like maybe going and doing something as a family or just together you know quality time is is, is so important it's important in all relationships but if you if you come from a family where you always spent Sundays together or you always did like a roast on a Sunday together and then you don't have that that's when you start to feel irky so um yeah, that's the quality time one. And obviously then there's physical touch too. So some people just love cuddles and kisses and holding hands and they just need that that physical touch to just feel like, hey, I'm thinking of you at the moment, even if it's nonverbal. Like some people prefer that nonverbal stuff. Um, and that's where acts of service comes into. So acts of service, again, is more of a nonverbal love language. It's like... It's those people who um, either show love by doing things like this is not natural for me. <laughs> I find this one really hard. But acts of service are those people who they might cook a beautiful meal to show love to people. So they might be they're not the compliment type like me, like they're not telling everyone how amazing they are and how much they love them. But they're, they're that person who will do things for others. And so often we show love in the way we like to receive love too. So if they're showing love by 
cooking or cleaning or doing those sorts of things, that person might feel love again by having things done for them without having to ask. Do you know what I mean? Oh, great advice. Yeah, that's really, really good (laughs) advice. I feel like my husband is so much of an act of service. And like you said, that's not familiar for me. I'm more of a (laughs) quality time. Um, But yeah, that's really good advice that give back what they're giving to you. Um, I have to put that that right into my brain. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come naturally, you know, Mm. um, a lot of men are acts of service Mm because, again, just culturally and historically men tend to be seen as that or put into those roles. So that's pretty common. And so for people like us where it's not normal, it's like you have to make a conscious effort to do that. Like same with my husband. He's not a words of affirmation person at all. But so he has to, you know, make a conscious effort to do that, even though it's so unnatural for him. Yeah, I think that might be maybe, this might be a misconception, but I think that might be a common thing amongst males as well. They're not the chattiest of Mm. (laughs) people. Yeah, yeah. True, true. (laughs) Uh, It would be great to be able to teach that, but it is difficult, that's for sure. (laughs) Mm. Um, So that, yeah, that was a really good um, little insight into the love languages and how we can, um, yeah, how we can use those in our in our daily life and in our relationships um I wanted to talk a little bit more we've discussed um being a mum you're a mum and I'm a mum too and many of our listeners are mums as well so I wanted to discuss the topic of um the feeling of loss sometimes when we become mothers because um I understand it's something that has happened to you and it's definitely something that's happened to me and I still have days where I feel longing for my pre- children life um so I just really wanted to talk to you about how we can normalize this feeling and how we can stop it from just stopping us right in our tracks and moving forward well again if first of all uh you'll see on my page for anyone who's gone to my website or my instagram one of my top lines is that I want to normalize not pathologize life and what I mean by that is that all these things we're talking about, anxiety, mum guilt, losing ourselves, these are all really normal things that everyone goes through, you know. Um, some people go through it more than others and that's where you have, to, you have to ask yourself where the line is between a normal reaction or something that starts to get in the way of everyday life. And so, yeah, I just want to normalise the fact that girlfriend – Every single one of us has those days where you just, like I mentioned, you know, I don't have the luxury of just waking up and going to the gym now. Like I just can't do that because I have a toddler and my husband's away. So who's going to take care of him? Blah, 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 blah. There's so many things. Um, So there's days where I just wish I could, you know, go back to my younger self and just wake up and go to the gym or go to the beach with just a towel. I mean, going to the beach with with kids, there's like, have we got snacks? Have we got water bottles? Have we got sunscreen? Have we got like the 20 things? So mm-hmm. first of all, super, super normal. Um, but then again, like if you're finding that it's getting to the point where you're like starting to resent maybe the life that you have or, you know, um, you're spending more time in pre 
kid life than in current kid life, like you just keep going back to the past, then maybe that's when you need to talk about it with someone. And, you know, again, that that reaction is normal. So don't run away from it. I think that's the biggest thing as well. Like whenever you want to get over something, or not get over it, but like heal something, I have this um, saying where it's like you have to feel it to heal it. So as uncomfortable as it is, lean into it, really go, okay, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I'm maybe not enjoying motherhood as I thought I would, or it's so much harder than I thought it was going to be, or I'm really missing those days when I could just leave the house so easy. Acknowledge that and then ask yourself, okay, so what can I do about this? Maybe I can talk to other mums who are feeling this way or, you know, um, maybe I do need to talk to a psychologist or a social worker or maybe I need some self-care. Like what's my self-care like? Or, you know, when was the last time I did something for me and not the kids? You know, yes. so it's it's leaning into that compared to if you just keep going with that and ignoring it and not acknowledging what you're feeling, it'll creep up on you big time because whatever we push down explodes outwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is so true. I have definitely uh, experienced that. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like what you've said there. Um, we discuss, like you mentioned there, a bit of mum guilt and that haunts me all the time, being a business owner, mm. um, having your children and also going back to the love languages, trying to find quality time with your husband and all of that kind of thing it feels so busy and so scheduled um do you have uh I know you can't just say one you know one thing that can help with this but a little method that we can kind of just alleviate ourselves of the mum guilt that we feel I know I know that it I'm pretty certain it's something that happens to nearly every mum out there every single mother I've ever spoken to in my life has had mum guilt about something. Mm -hmm. Every single issue, you know, I have um, friends who get guilty about sending their kids to daycare because they're not spending time with them. I have friends who are guilty because they're stay-at-home mums and they feel like they're not socialising their kids enough by not sending them to daycare. So, like, every single issue you just cannot win. So my thing would be... If there was one thing to alleviate the mum guilt, it's show your love language in your way, you know, connecting through love. Um, it might sound wishy-washy or whatever, but um, I think, again, we spoke about off-air just a little bit about this. And so for quality time, for example, you know, if you suffer from mum guilt, like I do as well, the busyness and you just go, am I spending enough time? Am I nurturing them enough? You know, I wish they could be more with me. Just remember, think about when you were a kid, um, almost everyone has like that one friend or that one uncle or maybe that one cousin who you didn't see them all the time. You maybe saw them once every few months or once a year even. I had cousins who I saw maybe once a year and an uncle who I absolutely adored, but again, saw him maybe twice a year, but because they validated me, they had fun with me, we, um, you know, they always meant so much to me, that, that relationship was so powerful. And so for all the mums who are balancing all of the hats, just remember one hour of quality time a week where you're just playing with your children, 
no phones, no TV, child-led, like following what they want to do. You know, if they want to draw, you know, put cars all over the couch or something, do what they want to do, follow them, give them that time. That is going to be worth so much more than spending every single day with them, but you're on your phone or you're watching the TV or you're, you know, you're not investing in what they want to do. And I don't want to ever make anyone feel bad about being on their phone. That's just part of everyday life. So I'm not saying that, but it's kind of like give them their time in their language too. So funnily enough, kids also have their own love language. So, so you've got to figure out what their language is too. And they'll give you the hints. They'll say like, mommy, can you read this with me? Or mommy, can you do this with me? Like do what they're leading you to do, you know? Yes. Yeah, that is perfect. And I know um, you have a course related to children as well and parenting. So um, yeah, if we need any advice, we can definitely come to you for that kind of thing. Cause I think there's <laughs> a lot to be learned about that. Um, so I just spoke about that. I've had a lot of um, experience with mental health conditions and we spoke about the breathing exercises. So I thought if you were able to, to give us all one breathing exercise that we can all put into our toolbox that we can use any day, anytime um, when we feel that little bit of anxiety creeping in. Yeah, so um, I guess there's two that um, that I would like to recommend. Is there? Is that okay? Can I be oh, sneaky and do please two? Please do. Yes, yes, I'd love that, <laughs> definitely. So one is more of a conscious one where it's like, okay, I'm going to take control here. I'm taking control of my body and so I'm going to do it. And um, what I will say about breathing exercises is a lot of, um, when I've worked with clients a lot, um, they, you know, there's this common thing of when I'm stressed or anxious, the last, you know, thing, thing I want to do is a breathing exercise. <laughs> you know, how is that going to solve my work issue or how is that going to solve my relationship issue? And it's not, the reality is it's not, but you cannot think clearly or rationally when you are in your emotional mind. Your emotional mind kicks in when you're not getting enough, uh, enough oxygen to the brain because you're angry or you're stressed or you're anxious. So what breathing does is it brings you back down to a calm level so you can think rationally and make a better decision than just like straight up emotional mind. So uh first breathing exercise is a conscious one so this easy one again most people you know a lot of people know it if not just google image um, square breathing or box breathing it's super common um, and again it's just shifting from your uh, your heightened nervous system back into your calm nervous system so all you do um, I like to put my hand one hand on my chest and one hand on my belly because you're out so you're actually breathing deeply um, and all you do is you breathe in for four or five seconds so just breathe in really deeply hold it for four or five seconds do nothing for four or five seconds and then slowly let it go so don't go like slowly let it go like you're just slowly letting out all the air um, and just repeat that three or four times because, again, what that does is it shifts you from your heightened to your calm one. So that's like a conscious breathing exercise where you're taking control of your body. 
Now, the second breathing exercise I want to talk about might sound a little strange, but it's literally just observing your body. So again, sitting in a comfortable chair, um, closing your eyes is usually better and just noticing your breath. And there's this weird fact that uh, I didn't know for a few years until um, a yogi told me this. Notice which nostril is your dominant nostril that you're breathing out of at that time. <laughs> so we, we actually have a dominant nostril that we'll tend to use, I think it's every 90 seconds, like we'll switch in between or something like that. But it's, it's good to just sit there, notice your breathing, notice your rhythm. Is it fast? Is it shallow? But just watch it. And try to notice the things in your body, like which nostril is it coming from? Is the air hot or cold? You know, those sorts of things. So that's a really easy breathing technique just to get you back to the present moment and back into your body. Because when we're stressed or anxious, we're not here and present. We're just somewhere else in the thought kingdom. <laughs> yes, I really like that one. Um, there was an app that I was listening that I used to do every day um, when I was having really ang anxious periods. And it was like, like you just said, breathe in and then feel that air go through and just watch it go through your body. Um, and I really, I thought, oh, that's a bit crazy. But when I did it, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And yeah, just those feelings, like feeling your feet touching the floor or your back, you know, touching if it feels soft or yeah, all those different feelings. And it, it is amazing how much it does it does help uh, in those circumstances. So yeah, thank you so much for those two little tips. Hopefully we can all use those when we, when we need to. Um, so we have come to the end, which I'm really sad about because you've given us so, it's been so amazing to talk to you. I even feel a bit of relaxation after doing those breathing exercises with you. <laughs> oh, um, that's good. That's lovely. Um, so before we say goodbye, I just wanted to have a little bit of fun. So I have a games box that I like to play with each of my guests. Um, normally, I ask them to choose a number. However, I've cheekily chosen yours because I know that you're a music lover. So I wanted to, I think there's a game that will be perfect for you. So what I do is I randomly pick um, three categories from my little box and you have to name the song that fits that category for you how does that sound oh my goodness no pressure <laughs> but yeah no it sounds good it sounds see good. how it goes all right I'm gonna close my eyes and pick from my box okay the first one is the song that comes to mind if you would like to dance in your kitchen Oh my gosh, can I be super embarrassing? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> so there's this um, Hayley um, Seinfeld, oh, I can never say her last yes, name yes. right, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so her, she has that song um, Love Myself mm -hmm. um, and that's my super lame, embarrassing song because it's just all about, yeah, loving yourself and not caring about <laughs> anybody else. That's perfect. So that's, that's my song and anything old school, like early 2000s or like 90s sort of hip hop kind of thing, you got me. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what I, I would love. That. Yes, I love that. Yeah. All right. The next one is <clears throat> breakup song. Oh, good goodness. Adele just comes to mind so quickly. Um and then also um, there's a song called Signs by Block Party. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's a it's again a bit of an oldie but um for those of you who know block party or grew up with block party hopefully you know that song um and it's pretty sad so yeah that's a good uh breakup song okay perfect and the last one is school days back to your school days good lord <laughs> Is it bad that Eminem pops up into my head? <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> he was huge. Oh, Eminem, he has that song Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many high school parties I went to that was playing that song. So, uh, yeah, that's what comes that's up for it. me. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> no, my song choice no I so think that's absolutely perfect. I think a lot of people will relate to those for sure. That was um, that was great. You were really great at that. I knew it would be the perfect game for you. <laughs> so um, thank you so much, Sheena. I am just absolutely honoured to have had, had you on today. So thank you for gracing us with your presence. You have been incredible, um, insightful, and so generous with your time. So um, thank you so much. It was an absolute thrill to have you on. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And I'm so glad we got to connect. And um, I can't wait to see where your journey takes you um, next next time we chat, because I know um, big things are happening in your world too. So congrats on everything there. Thank you so much. So before we go, can you please, I know everyone's going to want to get a little more of Sheena in their lives. So can you please (laughs) remind us where we can find you? And also um, you've got your own podcast. So I'd love you to share that with us too, please. Oh, yes, Kelsey, you know what it's like, like launching a podcast. Um, It's a bit of a nerve wracking situation. Um, But yeah, so I've launched a podcast called the 4Q podcast. Um, The best way to find it, because I have, you know, searched it myself, just put Savasana Collective uh, where you find your podcast, whether it's Apple or Spotify. Um, so, and Savasana is S-A-V-A-S-A-N-A, <laughs> just for people to wonder. So Savasana Collective, um, that's where you can find my podcast. And my main sort of social media hangout is Instagram. So my Instagram handle is just at Savasana Collective. Um, and yeah, and then obviously there you can click to my website, savasanacollective.com. Um, you can find, I've got some free PDFs and videos on there. So go for gold on the website. Um, yeah. Perfect. Go for it. Yes. Thank you so much. I will let you get back to your Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yes, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey. Lovely oh, to chat. You too. Thank you so much.